Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio Show. And today's Empowered Love Radio Show is about when is it safe to date after narcissistic abuse and this is part one of a two-part series. Now that's a question that I get asked often and I mean really often and this is the sort of things that people ask they say is it time to date yet because I'm struggling with being attracted to decent men why is that or they say I'm comparing everyone to the narcissist no one lights me up like he or she did why is this I'm dating but it's so painful and it just makes me miss the narcissist even more or every person I meet I find myself psychoanalyzing them, trying to work out whether they are a narcissist or not. Is this the right thing to do? This is such a huge topic. And of course, ultimately, it's healthy to want to create a love relationship, whether we've been abused or not. And in fact, we're all coded to do so, I believe, if we wish to. But when is it healthy to start dating after abuse? After being hurt by narcissists, we are tentative. And if we're honest with ourselves and we're into self-responsibility and self-development, we know we've had a tendency to attract and co-create abusive relationships. And after the massive wake-up call of narcissistic abuse, clearly there is no way we want to go through that again. Yet some of us do. I did twice. And many other people I know have done so as well. So we really have to be mindful. We really do want to make sure we do our homework. So is our homework know thy enemy? And as you listen to this, I hope you understand that the homework is really all about ourselves. So within this article, I want to cover off these questions. When is it the right time to date? How do we know when we're ready to date? And how do we date healthily? These are important questions that I will have great joy in addressing because I know this information is so vitally important for this community. This topic is such a big one. There are many components and that's why this is the first of a two-part series. So what does being ready to date look like or not? And I want to kick this series off by Setting the scene of the goal and then working backwards in regard to how to get there. And maybe what I'm about to share with you is because at the time of writing this article, I was having a gorgeous dinner, I was eating out, and I was in a wonderful atmosphere, and I was feeling really passionate about this topic. And I was alone, I was working, I was doing what I love, which is writing. And I was about to tuck into a wonderful Vietnamese seafood hot pot and my glass of Saf Blanc was a toast to my life and the joy that I feel in my body and the purpose I have and the way I love spoiling myself 
in combination with working. All because I can. And this was the inspiration that I had. It was about these two characters who I'm going to call Jane and Debbie. And these characters represent many people in this community. The Thriver Orientation Representation and the Not Yet Thriver Orientation side. And please know this is not gender specific. These characters could have been Jeff and Daniel. It's just that women ask me about the dating question much more often than what men do. Okay, so here we go. Jane had been narcissistically abused. She realised deeply the reasons why she was narcissistically abused, that she was unconsciously attached to someone who represented her inner childhood unresolved programs, and that she used to hand her power over and cling to someone for approval and love no matter how much they hurt her. So as a result, she'd let go of the narcissist in her life, which was a partner and some family members and friends, detached completely, stopped trying to force these people to love her better, and met and faced herself to do the deep inner work with the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program on these inner childhood wounds. And during this time of two years of dedicated self-partnering, Jane worked at consistently up-leveling the old fears that had not only led her unconsciously into abuse, assigning another person as her source of love, approval, happiness and security, but she also made it her personal mission to partner directly with life. So for the first time in Jane's life, after 50 years of previous abuse, she took this on because she'd had enough of the pain. Jane worked on expanding her consciousness, healing through previous blocks in order to express and start connecting to her highest desires and greatest personal truths. Jane was studying her life's passions, expanding her social networks, doing the pastimes that she loved and for the first time in her entire life, loving life and feeling whole on her own. Jane started dating when she felt that she had finally that she finally had something to give to a relationship as a pure source of love and wholeness rather than needing a partner to complete her. And in the dating and life process, Jane was just as content to see a girlfriend on a Saturday night or read a book and do some yoga or be out to dinner with a man. A man or not was in no way any condition to her happiness and feelings of being whole because Jane had made it her mission to know her own self-wholeness, to never again rely on someone's approval and attention and be in precarious positions of living the lie of being with someone who wasn't right, hanging on whilst being abused or regressing back to the powerlessness and helplessness a fueling issues when someone was not giving her the love she needed to grant herself. And she was way past male hookups, interactions and attention to simply fill the gaps until someone better came along. Those days were over. She also recognised that previous avoiding of her own egoic and security fears with men to fill her gaps was time lost when she could be healing them. So what was the point anymore? She knew no point when life and her soul would just faithfully keep delivering them over and over again until she did heal them. 
So, Jane, for the last two years, as and as a continuation process, recognised any time layers of these fears came up for her was precisely the time not to self-medicate with male company, but to self-partner and heal them herself instead. Her goal of durable, lasting, soulmate love generated from mating her own soul first was the prize she firmly had her eye on. And this was working for her because Jane even by herself was experiencing the bliss and feelings of incredible happiness on her own. So much so at times her heart was overflowing with love and joy. How delicious when she would one day be sharing this in healthy ways with someone. Now on to our next character. Debbie had also been through a lifetime of narcissistic abuse and unconscious relationships starting from childhood, yet her approach to recovery was completely different. Debbie had the belief that if she could just realise all the things that were wrong about the men before and choose someone different, that she would be able to find the right man. Debbie didn't believe that there was any value in doing a relationship fast. The truth was Debbie was depressed without a man. She was putting off the things in her own life that her soul was nudging her to do because she was living the urgency of securing a man first. And there was always some man in Debbie's life, one short-term relationship after the next, and the same themes would continue to appear, control, incompatibilities, lack of respect, and even narcissistic behaviour. Debbie was second-guessing herself and confused, hanging on, trying to prescribe to change and fix men's behaviour. And when finally she would realise the relationship was not going to work, she would come back to the shop of having experienced yet another man who did not love and support her. Unlike so many people who have been narcissistically abused, she was terrified that her partner chooser was broken. Did attraction mean he must be wrong? Was it better to pick someone that she had no chemical attraction to? Why on earth, she mused, was she not attracted to men who turned out to be genuine and decent? And this was a big question, which held some vital answers that would change everything. So, let's have a look at this. Who we are attracted and attractive too. I can't tell you how many people over the years, women and men in this community, have asked me, why can't I be attracted to decent women? Sorry, at decent people. And I used to ask this question myself. It has people baffled and they may think maybe it's because nice people are not good looking or boring or maybe they're not edgy or interesting enough to be sexy. No, it's none of those things. But as always, our mind is great at giving us all sorts of logical, false justifications that are nowhere near the truth when life isn't working for us healthily. The real reasons are not logical, yet are deeply embedded in our because they're deeply embedded in our subconscious programming. And the reason we are not attracted to decent people is because we don't have we didn't have love translate for us as decent when we were young. 
and therefore such a love is totally off our energetic radar. What is our true point of attraction and attractiveness is identical love patterns to what our inner identity has translated as love, good or bad. So this is a subconscious interpretation of our childhood. Mum, Dad, you're hurting me, but I'll keep trying to prove to you that I'm worthy of your love so that you will stop hurting me and finally I'll be loved and finally I will be safe. Now just slip in the next potential love partner's name into the space where mum or dad was. And this allows you to understand that you're locked into Groundhog Day, love replays, re-experiencing the most profound of your inner childhood wounding over and over again. And the so interesting thing is, even if you know your childhood wounding, but have not healed it, you may purposefully choose someone you think is decent, who turns out to be a pathological narcissist pretending to be decent, who ironically you get real attracted to when the bad behaviour starts, or you simply cannot get physically and sexually stimulated by someone decent and the relationship becomes one of passionless convenience, or you downright push away and sabotage someone decent because it feels so incompatible with you. I also promise you that when you have indecent wounding, which still exists in your subconscious, you will have a completely different interpretation of what decent is to someone who doesn't have indecent wounding in their subconscious. So you might argue about someone's decency, yet other people view their behavior and character and they shake their head. Whilst you totally believe your own assessment. So when you heal, you'll look back at the parameters that you had as decent and you will be shocked that you thought that they were representative of healthy people and healthy relationships. One of my Thriver girlfriends and I often laugh as we reminisce and think about our past. And we say, what were we thinking? Because those previous women are a universe away from how we feel and think today. Yet back then, it was so real for us. So in short, what will feel compatible with you is the person who is a perfect match for your childhood wounds. Someone who will bring up for you the matching terror of abandonment, fear of engulfment, the triggers of not being heard, of not being seen, of not have, or not having rights, or not being acceptable as you are, and the list goes on and on. Now this may just seem like a really bad deal, a terrible function of the subconscious, replaying trauma over and over again in such a sneaky way where you're chemically attracted to it and will even experience compelling justifications in your mind to go down those paths even when evidence presents to the contrary. But it's only sneaky when we don't understand how important it is to wake up from the trance of unconscious human living to make our inner journey a high priority. Because truly you are meant to do this. You are meant to go down these paths because it's a soul contract. And what I mean by a soul contract is this. People are helping you heal something that you've never healed before by smashing these unconscious parts open to make them conscious and bringing you to your knees to finally self-partner 
and resolve and heal your own inner wounding. The unconscious parts that you weren't going to in healing, despite previous lower level disappointments and reoccurring patterns, and even maybe some teachers crossing your path giving you the clues, because life does try to wake us up gently at first, and maybe the emotionally unhealed parts within you had tried to get your attention by appearing as physical issues, and then maybe when that was not working, life working in partnership with your soul had to turn the volume up and take relationships from disappointment, disappointing to painful and then to abusive in order to really get your attention. The person's bringing you the startling evidence of your wounding was never meant to heal it for you. And in fact, as an adult, no one is coming to heal it for you. You are your own saviour. And then other people will start reflecting to you the essential relationship that you have up level with yourself. So, if you recognise that you are not attracted to healthy people, now you know why. This I promise you, when you start healing and up-leveling your previous traumas, you will lose all attraction to the people who represent them. These people will no longer be an energetic match for you. And the people that will start standing out and shining to you will be the people who are healthy. They are the ones who will start to chemically light up for you. And these are the people you will start forming relationships with and be able to sustain healthy relationships with. I can't stress the following enough. And this is it. If I can inspire just one person who was struggling to be attracted to decent and healthy people to stop dating and do the inner work first, well then this series has done its job. So let's have a look at this topic. Can someone make you happy? This I will say, no one can make you happy and no one can give you yourself. And once upon a time I resisted this truth, I struggled with it. In fact, life to me couldn't happen unless somebody else was involved. The thought of taking myself out to dinner, forget it. The thought of enjoying my own company, forget it. The thought of travelling alone to experience the wonders of our earth, no way. And I totally understand what it used to be like thinking, I am no one without a partner, I'm a failure without a partner, and life is one-dimensional without a partner. And I was probably embarrassed to admit that in the past, but it was the truth. And this was an extremely dangerous position to be in because when it came to continuing or walking away from a relationship, my head would convince me why to continue and I'd justify away all the reasons why I shouldn't. Also, my neediness was preventing my necessary hiatus from men to truly heal the one real relationship I needed to get right, the one with myself. And the real reasons I didn't spend time alone to deeply self-partner Quite simply, because I did not want to face the emptiness and the pain of my life being alone. So naturally, my choices were coming from fear and neediness and certainly not from soul alignment. This is what I was doing. Stuff like this. You know, you're really hot and cute. Even though you are clearly a bad boy, I'm sure I'll tame you. 
or on paper I think there's enough to choose you things don't feel really right but I'll try this on for size anyway yeah I did I had that whole bad boy big attraction nice guy no attraction thing going on and I'd get sick of waiting and being single so I'd choose people that weren't right for me and not all of the narcissists but one thing was for sure these people rather than being able to turn my life from one dimensional into something more fulfilling and pleasing, instead kept delivering the evidence of my inner wounds over and over again. How on earth would I attract and connect with a soulmate when I hadn't mated my own soul yet? I couldn't and never would, because soulmates come into our life after. We become our own unconditional lover, healer and source of salvation. Cellmates come into our life to show us how we haven't achieved that yet so these are the vital questions that we need to ask ourselves am I happy without a lover in my life and do I feel whole on my own and do I feel that I've resolved my inner pain and my emptiness and my previous relationship resentments including our childhoods and do I take responsibility for filling and healing my own neediness or do I revert to the quick fix solution of needing to connect with potential mates to ease it and incredibly importantly am I working on being my own source of mission goals purpose growth and happiness because if you aren't what have you got to offer a relationship anyway and no matter how much you disguise it as loving you're going to be giving to get and that can only ever be a love relationship fraught with conditions, partners who stay on with you reflecting back either codependency or a narcissism, and unhealthy enmeshment and toxicity with at least one person trying to force the other person to grant them their own sense of self, and the other pushing back trying to force the same, or trying to pull away to escape the engulfment. And the real truth is this. Until you have truly accepted and loved yourself, warts and all, you'll be terrified of somebody else truly connecting with you. How can you allow true intimacy, which is in to me see, with someone else if you've not yet connected with yourself in this way? You can't. And this is what most relationships look like for this reason. They get close and somebody pulls away. Then someone desperately tries to reel it back in because of childhood abandonment wounds. Then someone needs to sabotage again because of intimacy fears. It's called drama. Healthy relationships comprising of two individually healthy people don't have it. They just get on with life and individuality which healthily connects as love in the middle. Healthy love needs space to breathe. Healthy love needs the ability to not have the expectations of getting happiness or love. True love is the ability to be love and then share that without requirement. Healthy love requires being very real and accepting others as they are just as you accept yourself. True love is the honest sharing of what is inside you with calmness, self-responsibility and without the fear of abandonment, rejection and criticism as a result of appearing defective. 
And there is no way any of us can do healthy love until we learn how to be that model in life with ourselves and life directly without a partner. I hope this helps you realize you really need to date, love, heal and be with yourself in a very healthy capacity before dating. And if you're not prepared to face those facts, then you'll receive more of the same painful dances with potential mates until you do. So let's have a look at this topic. What is your relationship with life? If you don't have something that you've got going between you and life, then you will make your partner your life, which is too much of a burden for any human being and it is not their job. Your goal is to be a grown-up looking for an equal partner in life, creating unity consciousness and growing beyond being a wounded child in an adult's body looking for a parent to save you from life which is being prone to dependency, attachment and victimised abuse consciousness. So what does partnering life directly look like? It means having your own thing that has nothing to do with a partner, something that lights you up and gives you purpose. And by no means does this have to be lofty. It may be that you donate your time on a humanitarian level and this fulfills you enormously. Maybe you start starting a hobby that you've always been interested in doing. Maybe you decide to start your own small business, one that expresses your unique contribution to the planet and humankind. The truth is, if you don't have your sense of love and fulfillment that has nothing to do with a partner, then you are going to assign them with the impossible job of fulfilling you. And this is really dangerous. Because now rather than have a relationship directly with yourself, God and life, you now have assigned another human being as your source. Which means that this person now has the power to run and control your life. They can literally become your God who now has the power to decide for you what the state of your life will be. And we need to stop blaming people for doing that when we handed them that power. So that is the epitome of relationship powerlessness and it's a terrible trap that virtually everyone who has been narcissistically abused fell into in some capacity. The assigning of another human being to be their source of purpose, happiness, security, survival, lifestyle, etc. Or maybe you won't be in relationship with a narcissist but you will need to get fulfillment in ways that are not healthy when your partner doesn't comply with the impossible job of fulfilling you. These will be times when you could sabotage the relationship. And truly, many, many people played out this pattern with non-narcissists before attracting narcissists, myself included. So this is the greatest relationship truth. People will always treat you in the identical ways that you treat yourself. And if people have not been supporting you, adding to you and happy with you to have purpose and self, the reason is not because people aren't nice people, it's to do with people reflecting back to you the lack of support and self-partnering that you are already doing with yourself. And just to clarify, I really want you to understand this in no shape or form am I suggesting that narcissists if you were healthily self-partnered would be different. If a person is unconscious and not self-partnered, they are not capable of genuine love. 
What I am saying is that we will always attract and be attracted to people at the level of self-love that we are aren't being to ourselves. So therefore, in regard to this section, my hugest recommendation is don't date if you're not happy in life on your own because the relationship you end up in will only add to your unhappiness. It certainly won't improve it. So is knowledge power? It's pretty normal after being narcissistically abused to be paranoid about who you may date, but it's certainly not healthy or safe to be like this. So many people port that learning everything there is to know about narcissists will keep you safe in the future as you start meeting people. I am here to adamantly tell you from personal experience as well as being privy to thousands of people who have been narcissistically abused that not only is this no defense, it's actually one of the most dangerous orientations possible that will almost ensure you will hook up with another narcissist again. One of the falsest expressions is knowledge is power. In fact, I cringe any time I see anyone post this on social media because I know these people are firmly in their head and not doing the work on their inner subconscious programming. Knowledge is not power, it is information. The shift into a new self is power. Anything less than that is just some mind material that has no real power. The reason being because your logical mind is only responsible for 5% of your entire life generation as opposed to where your life is really emanating from your almighty subconscious, which is 95% of your life unfoldment. And this is regardless of what your head would prefer to choose and do and has nothing to do with how much information you obtain about narcissists. Seriously, narcissistic abuse is not logical. If it was logical, we would never have clung to someone knowing how much destruction we continually experienced when everything we knew logically made doing so insane. Abuse was not constructed or lived out logically and it will never be solved with logical information. If it was, we would all have learnt what we needed to, left and recovered. So if you go on to standard abuse forums, and you will see the state of people who are sharing every which way there is to know information about narcissists that you could possibly imagine. And these people are not healing for one vital reason. Every moment they spend shaming, blaming and learning about narcissists is a precious moment that they're denying themselves of love and healing. Now with what I know about narcissistic abuse recovery, which occurs prolifically in this community, I'm astounded how anyone logically can deem that that is recovery. In fact, this is only re-traumatizing people much deeper than the job the narcissist did on them in the first place. Because rather than these people get well and avoid narcissists, what they actually do is attract more of their own focus Okay, energy flows where attention goes, more of their traumas, more of their peptide addiction to abuse and victimization chemicals and they certainly have not healed their inner identity in order to access another life trajectory that is not abuse riddled. 
These are the people most likely to suffer ongoing abuse consequences with present narcissists and attract more of them in the future. So therefore, if you believe that if you get armed with knowing every red flag about a narcissist that you'll be safe in the dating process, I urge you not to delude yourself. I really do. So I really hope that part one has helped you get clear and answer questions for you. And in part two next week, I want to share with you how to show up in the dating process and how that that is a really powerful gauge to know whether or not you're ready to date. And there'll be more information as well. So please know that my next three keys to thriving after narcissistic abuse um, workshop webinar, that's now open for registration. And within this series, you can join in up to 17 days of free workshopping and powerful healing tools, as well as a three-hour teleclass that I do with you. So I'd love you to join me and other people from all over the world to heal from abuse and up-level to true freedom, empowerment and love, as well as healthy relationship. And you can do that by going to MelanieToniaEvans.com forward slash free webinar. And again, that's MelanieToniaEvans.com, my website address, forward slash free webinar. And all of the details will be on the blog article. And I'll look forward to answering your questions and your comments there. So that's it from me till next week and part two. So bye-bye everybody. Lots of love. Bye-bye.